guys ever notice that there's warning labels on everything in this society? Warning labels on every. I mean, you can't go and you can't purchase a product, get a product without some sort of warning label somewhere on that product. And it's actually almost funny in a lot of ways, right? Because the truth is, the warning labels are there for a reason. They're there most of the time, they're put there to have a company not be held liable for something. You know, so, and the, the funny part is, is that the reason that most of them are there is because some dummy has done what it says not to do, and they're trying to keep themselves from being sued. You know, so, and, and, and the truth is, is we need them, right? Because if you don't use a product the way it was intended to be used, it could actually hurt somebody. You could hurt yourself. You could hurt somebody else. And some of them, they just make common sense, right? Some of them, I mean, it's like, do you really have to have a label? Like, you know the label that says, don't smoke near the gas pumps? You ever seen that one? They're on all the gas pumps now. You see them in every single one. And I look at that one, I'm like, was somebody dumb enough to actually smoke near the gas pumps? And that's the case. Somebody was that dumb. That's why they have to put the label there. It's like, hey, you dummy, put that thing out. And then there's the other ones too, like don't drink from public ponds or fountains. You ever seen the sign, don't drink the water? I mean, because some bad things happen if you drink that one. Now, you can drink it but you're going to have the most effective colon cleansing that you've ever had of your entire life. That's why they tell you not to drink the water because the water is going to mess you up on the inside. And then there's some of them that are a little less obvious that, that, that you maybe didn't even know were there if you didn't take the time to read them. Who here had a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo in their life? Look over here to the... You guys have one? What did you do when you stuck the cartridge in and it didn't work? You blow on it. Did you know that there's a big giant warning on the back of the cartridge that says, do not blow into the edge of the cartridge? And we all did it. That's what we all figured out that had to make it work. But there's a big warning because actually when you blow on it, you put moisture on the contacts and you can rust them and make it worse. There, It actually tells us not to. We've all done it our, our whole lives. Any of us that have ever had one of those systems, that is the trick to make it work. That and you ever did the like on an old Nintendo, like the half, you, like, you don't put it in all the way and you press it down real hard hoping that'll work. Oh, did you know that there's a warning? This one's dumb. I don't know what they're thinking. There's a warning on cookie dough you buy from the store that says don't consume raw cookie dough. Raw cookie dough is delicious. That's the only way I would eat it. If, as a matter of fact, I've been ignoring that one my entire life. I'm just going to risk it. I'll be honest, because that stuff is good. And then here's one of my biggest ones. And you guys, Q-tips. I have been using Q-tips incorrectly my entire life. Don't laugh. You've been doing it too. You've been doing it too. See, here's the thing. If you look on the back of a Q-tip, it says, do not insert Q-tips into your ear canal. That's what they've, yeah, that's what they've been marketed for the entire time. I mean, other than maybe like putting some Neosporin on a cut or maybe like cleaning off a keyboard or something like there's That's what they're for. They, things have been designed from day one to clean out the inside of your head. And that's what they've been used for. That's what everyone uses them for. We all use them wrong. But there's a warning that says, basically, it's like, like somebody selling you a car that says, warning, do not drive. You know, they sell you your house, warning, do not live here. I mean, that's what they've been sold for, was to, 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 to put in your ear. Oh, no, they're for you in your ear. That's the, I do it every morning. That's where they go. Bigger <laughs> hammer, yeah. But it's crazy because that's what they were designed for, is to clean your ear. Now they're telling me it's wrong. 
Well, this warning label is kind of like what this chapter that we're getting ready to go into. This is chapter 14. We're getting ready to start. This is kind of like the warning label on spiritual gifts. And Paul is going to, to particularly the, the gift of tongues, and Paul's going to give us a warning and a correct way to use the gifts of the Spirit. So the last chapter, you guys recall, was chapter 13. It's the love chapter. You know, that's, that's, it's a great chapter by itself. It stands alone very, very well. But the truth is, is that that's, that, that whole chapter was to be used in context with the gifts of the Spirit. It's actually kind of a springboard because chapter 12 describes many of the different gifts of the Spirit. And then chapter 13 is like a, a springboard to connect the different kinds into how that you're supposed to use them. And Paul is going to give some correction on the proper use of the gifts. Because what was happening is the Corinthian church, they're kind of doing their own thing. Everybody wants to speak in tongues. People are walking in and they're like, are these people drunk? Are they crazy? What's going on? And Paul's like, listen, you guys need to start using these things correctly. One, the gifts of the Spirit are to edify the body. When you guys are in there just making a bunch of noise, and and he's actually going to say that, you're basically just speaking to the air because no one is being edified. And tongues seems to be the one that the Corinthian church had the greatest problem with. Apparently, everybody wanted to speak in tongues. If you spoke in tongues, you were the who's who of Christians at that time. And if you didn't speak in tongues, then you were worthless. That's what they thought. So everyone's doing it all at the same time. And as you can imagine, it just sounded like noise. But as we go through this chapter, as we look at what Paul's saying, and and like I said, there's many warning labels in our lives that just choose to ignore Q-tips, and cookie dough. That's probably how I'm going to die, one of those two ways. Hole in my ear or salmonella from raw cookie dough. But there are other warning labels, and this is one concerning the gifts of the Spirit that we shouldn't ignore. We need to heed Paul's advice and use them correctly in the church. Amen? So let's go ahead and get started. And verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So first and foremost, what are we supposed to do? Pursue love. And everything that we do, church, and actually this is a a general instruction for everything that you do in the church, pursue love. If you will just pursue love before anything else, you will find that all of a sudden, everything else will fall into place. If you're pursuing love, You're not going to get all bent out of shape because somebody stole your seat on Sunday morning because you're more concerned with their their well-being than your own. If you're pursuing love, you're going to take care of other people and not be worried about what's going on. If you're pursuing love, you're not going to be gossiping. You're not going to be talking about people behind their back. When we pursue love, we put others first. And not only in everything in the church, but particularly in the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to be much less likely to misuse what God intended to edify the body. Amen? What we must understand as we go through this section is that Paul is not saying don't use the gifts of the Spirit. Paul is not saying don't speak in tongues anymore. When you speak in tongues, everybody together, that's what it sounds like to everybody else, by the way. That's why you don't address the tongues in church, the church in tongues, because nobody understands what you're saying. But Paul's not saying to quit using the gifts of the Spirit. And he's not saying that, you know what, they're only for super special occasions. And he's not saying that, no, they're only for certain people to use. Matter of fact, what does he say? He says, 
earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly means to do it for reals, like really, really, really desire the spiritual gifts. As Christians, we are to be desiring the spiritual gifts. And that doesn't just mean tongues. It doesn't just mean prophecy. It doesn't just mean, it means all of them. We're to desire and operate in all of the spiritual gifts and desire them. This is why I think it's weird when some people say that, oh no, everybody just has one. Well, if we're only supposed to have one, why would Paul tell us to desire them? That would be kind of counterproductive, don't you think? Or just mean. And then he goes on to say, but especially that you may prophesy. The reason why Paul puts a special emphasis on prophecy is because that lifts up the body. If one of us were to come up here and address the church, and, and one of the things we're going to learn over the next couple of weeks is that, that God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. So that doesn't mean if you have a word of prophecy, you just jump out and yell it out to the church. It still means you need to come talk to one of the leaders and, and, and let them, because the, the scripture says we're supposed to test what we're hearing. So you want to come up to one of the leaders and talk to them, and then, and then they'll, they'll, they'll let you know if you can come up and address the church. Um, if you're going to speak in tongues, we're going to find out that it requires, if you're going to address the church in tongues, it requires an interpreter. Matter of fact, Paul says you should pray that you'll be able to interpret. Because God is a God of order. But Paul says, especially desire the gift of prophecy. And the reason is, is because Paul is more concerned with lifting up and building up and strengthening the body of believers than he is with just lifting up and strengthening an individual believer. Amen? And then he goes on in verse 2. He continues on saying, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So now Paul's explaining his reasoning, why I want you to especially look into prophecy, to desire prophecy. Because like I said, the Corinthian church is somewhere along the lines decided that speaking in tongues was the end thing. Like when you were going for ministry, they're like, do you speak in tongues? They're like, no. I'm like, well, then you can only clean the bathroom. You can't help out. You can't. You basically, if you didn't speak in tongues, they felt like you weren't qualified, that you weren't loved or you weren't valuable to God. I don't know what was going through their head, but somehow, somewhere along the lines, speaking in tongues was kind of like having a Bentley. It made you look good. You pull up, and uh, I, I don't know what, it's, the reason why I don't understand it is because today, people hear about speaking in tongues, and they're just freaking out. They're like, are they going to make me do Kool-Aid next? They're all concerned. They think you're all crazy. And like I've said before, the truth is, speaking in tongues is kind of weird. I'm okay with you thinking it's weird, but it doesn't mean that it's not scriptural. Amen? So the result was, in, in the Corinthian church, is that everyone was pursuing this gift to the point of abuse. And it really was to the detriment of the kingdom of God. What are the gifts of the spirits for? For the building up of the body, Right? But when everyone's using it and misusing it, it's actually to the detriment of the body. The body is not being built up. And here's, here's why. When we speak in tongues, we're only speaking to God. It says, we speak not to men, but to God. When we speak in tongues, it can't be understood. I don't have to tell you that. You've heard people speak in tongues before. You can't understand it. To us, it sounds like gibberish. 
But God, understand, you're speaking to God. And even as a person who speaks in tongues, when I pray in tongues or when I sing in tongues, I can't understand myself. But I'm not intended to. I'm speaking to God. Tongues is spoken by faith as the Spirit gives you utterance. We do it in faith. We believe God that he's given us this gift. And speaking in tongues edifies the one who is speaking in it. That's what he says right here. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but he doesn't build up the church. The one who speaks in a tongue only builds up himself. He's strengthening his spirit. And praying in tongues is good. I'd recommend everybody do it. Because I believe that when you're praying in tongues, you're going to find out one day that you are praying for stuff that you didn't even know you needed to be praying for because the Spirit is helping us to pray because we don't know how to pray. That's, that's what the, the Scripture says. We don't know how to pray properly. So the Spirit gives us utterance to help us in those areas. So this means that, that when we address the church in tongues, it doesn't edify anybody except ourselves. It doesn't edify the church. And it doesn't make any sense because when we come together as a church, it's so that we can worship together, that we can grow together. And the truth is, for the Corinthian church, they may not even have been edifying themselves because it looks like they were just trying to do it to puff themselves up. But when we prophesy, we do it in such a way that everybody can understand. It is a blessing to everyone who hears that God is able to communicate with you because you can understand it. And both are valid and important tools and, and, and gifts, are important gifts of the Spirit. And they're tools used by God to build up the church. But only one of the two, tongues and prophecy, only one of those two is actually going to build up the church. And that's prophecy. So Paul says, yeah, I want you to desire prophecy. And this is why, because you're going to build up the church. You are going to make a difference. You're going to help the people grow. You're going to see your church grow. You're going to have a greater impact on the community because we're building the church up. Amen? And then he goes on in verse 5. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. How many does he want to speak in tongues? All. I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Like I said earlier, Paul is not trying to say, nobody speak in tongues. You guys are all crazy for speaking in tongues. He's not saying, no, the gift of tongues is only for a select few. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues. He wants every single one of them. He desired that they would all speak in tongues because there's nothing wrong with the gift of tongues when used properly. Amen? It's just like anything else. A brick can be used to build a house or it can be used to smash somebody over the head. Money can be used to impact a community for the, for the betterment of the people that live there. Or it can be used to cause greed and, and destruction as people are going after it. And just like any of those things, they can be used for good or they can be used to, to not help anybody. And he says, I want you all to speak in tongues. Truth be told, I want everybody in this congregation to be speaking in tongues as well. To be praying in tongues, to be singing in tongues. The problem is, is we have to get it out of our head that this is something weird and crazy. We have to get it out of our head. Because I'm telling you right now, if, if, if we went and laid hands on somebody and they rose up from the dead, that would be weird. That would be pretty crazy. But I would want to see it. You know what? The, the, the wife whose husband is risen from the dead, you know what? They're like, 
hey, this is great. Nobody thinks it's weird and everyone's all for it. We pray for somebody. And I've seen this happen multiple times. We lay hands on somebody and cancer completely goes away. AIDS completely goes away. And that's kind of weird. Medical science can't explain it, but everyone's okay with that. So why are we always so freaking out about other stuff that God does in the supernatural realm? And that's us speaking in tongues by faith. We have to get it out of our head that what God wants to do is weird. Every now and then you have to be just crazy enough to believe that what God says is what he's going to do, that what he says is what he means, that what he says is true. But then he says, I want you all to speak in tongues, but I would rather you all prophesy. Because when you speak in tongues, that's going to build you up. But when you prophesy, you're going to build up the entire church. That seems like a better, a much better return on, on investment, don't you think? One person can lift up just themselves, or they can lift up the entire church. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, that just killed my train of thought. Throwing stuff around. You know, even uh, Moses desired the same thing for his people. In Numbers eleven twenty nine, Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit in him. This isn't a unique thought to Paul. But why would Paul want this? It's because Paul was more concerned with the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, than he was with any individual. And he wanted a strong and encouraged and built up body. He wanted a, 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 a church that looked like Arnold. And not like the cartoon Arnold. And he, he wanted, in a church gathering, he wanted that gift of prophecy and its exercise to, to greatly lift up the body. Because it was more preferred because uninterpreted tongues does nothing for anybody. And it's not to say that actually that the tongues can't be used to address the church. They actually can. He says here, it's greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. There's also another gift of the Spirit called the interpretation of tongues. And there are times when people will speak in tongues. If God is, is telling them to address the body, then they will speak in tongues of the body. But that there, the requirement is, is there to be another person or the person that is speaking. The Scripture says you can pray that you can interpret your own. That, that it be interpreted. And once it's interpreted into an intelligible language, then it can benefit the body. Amen? And he says, now brothers, in verse 6, now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? So now Paul's going to, let me lay it down for you. He says, I'm going to tell you what it would look like if I came in my ministry only speaking in tongues. He says, if I would have showed up only speaking in tongues, how would you benefit from anything? How would you even be where you're at today? You guys would have just thought I was crazy. You guys would have just thought I was going bonkers. You would not have had any benefit to you at all. You would have just written me off had I come just praying or speaking to you in tongues. But because he came with them with a revelation of who Jesus Christ was, with a knowledge of who Jesus was, they were able to be changed. The fact that, the interesting thing is the fact that Paul is even having to deal with this is a testament to that something changed inside those Corinthian believers. And they didn't have it all right. And they were working through it, and they were doing some dumb things. 
And as Christians, we're going to do some dumb things as we work through it and figure it all out. And Paul never throughout this entire letter says, you know what? I'm done with you, Corinthians. You messed up. It's over. It's all about correcting them and getting them on the right path because he wants something better for them. But he says, but if I didn't come with that revelation or knowledge or coming in the, the gifts of prophecy or what about teaching you guys, you would have gained nothing, benefited nothing. And the truth is, the reason that you're here today, even reading this letter, listening to this letter be read aloud, is because I came speaking to you in an intelligible language. Or maybe he wasn't referring to when he came, maybe he's referring to his next visit. And he's saying, hey, would you guys like me to show up only speaking in tongues? How much do you guys think you would get out of that? What would your benefit be? Where would you grow if you couldn't understand anything that I am saying? Amen? And he goes on in verse 7, If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. So Paul's going to use a couple examples to illustrate his point. Although it's funny, I really don't think we need examples to illustrate that when someone speaks in tongues, you can't understand them. But he says, you know what, let's talk about musical instruments. And he says, if, if musical instruments aren't played to a melody, a melody, if they're not played to the music, they just make noise. They just sound crazy. They, it just sounds like a, a nonsense. And actually, even if they're, they're just played to some, some random tune and not in the right key, if they're not even tuned correctly, then it sounds just awful, even if you're playing the right chords and the right shapes. And you know this is true if you've ever been to like a grade school concert. Like, you know, little kids, like, like first, second graders having a concert. I mean, you get in there and they're playing and you just want it to be over. But for some reason, the school scheduled it for 17 hours for every class in the school to be able to get up there and play. And you're in there and you're just cheering them on and you're encouraged, even though you're like, why are you lying to them? We're like, I'm not lying to them. I'm just hoping that they'll take my encouragement and get better so it won't sound like this anymore. So I'm just going to keep encouraging them to push them through this point. Because if they don't get better, you're going to go home and be like, I hope this warning label on the Q-tubes is true. <laughs> because you got you to stop the noise. And that's, that's what a whole church speaking in tongues with nobody interpreting, that sounds like. It's just noise. It's just white noise in the air. You can't get anything from it. Then he goes on and mentions the bugler. He says, if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? If you didn't know anything about wartime back then, and even sometimes uh, in modern days, when they, they play the bugle to, to indicate certain things are going on. So back then they would indicate they were going to battle, and they played it in a certain way in certain notes. And that's how they knew they were going into battle, or they were retreating from battle when they got up, when they went down. And when I was in the army, the same thing happened. And we had, when, when the flag was being raised, they would play a certain bugle call. And when the flag was being lowered, they would play a different bugle call. I was watching a show not too long ago. It was a, it was a special of, with Robin Williams, and he was addressing a bunch of uh, troops in uh, Iraq. And he's doing his whole comedy show, and they're all laughing, and they're all having a good time. And all of a sudden, the bugle goes off for, for uh, 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 lean-to, and the flag starts going down. 
And every single soldier in that place does an about face. The whole crowd turns his back to Robin Williams, comes up to attention to the flag. And he's, just, he's going through his routine and he's saying, and then like the whole place. So he finally kind of sees what they're doing. So he waits, you know, and when he gets back and he goes, wow, in all my entire time doing stand-up and performing for people, not once has the entire crowd turned their back on me. But what they're using is, is those bugles to indicate what is going on. Well, if they didn't play the, the note pattern that they were supposed to play, then the soldiers wouldn't know what was going on. It would just be noise. It wouldn't have any purpose. It wouldn't benefit anybody. And he says, so with yourselves, if your tongue, you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you'll be speaking to the air. You know, I work for Asarco, my regular job during the day. Um, it's a, it's a mining company whose parent company is in Mexico. They're, they're based, actually our corporate offices are based out of Mexico City. So sometimes I have to sit in on meetings um, with the guys who are down in Mexico City or the team in Peru, and they all speak in Spanish. And I have to go to these meetings, and there's a couple of guys that speak fluently, and, and they'll translate for me. But it's not like real time. So most of the time, I'm just sitting in there playing on my phone because I can't understand it. As, as far as I'm concerned, they're speaking to the air. I can't understand anything that they're saying because they're speaking in a tongue, in a language that I don't understand. And that's exactly what happens. And if you've ever experienced that, that's exactly what happens when we, when we speak in tongues to address the church and there's no one there to interpret. The people in the congregation might as well be playing on their phones and twiddling their thumbs, just speaking into the air. In verse 10, he says, there are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourself, since you are eagle for manifestation of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So like I said, as, as I'm working in this position and I have people speaking to me in Spanish all the time, the next thing that's on, on my agenda, and, and as I'm going to, to learn Spanish again, my, my boss bought me some software to help me get through that, and uh, for those of you who've been around long enough know that the first time I tried this, it almost exploded my brain, and I can never sleep. That's happening again. I can't sleep again. I wake up dreaming about Spanish, but uh, i got to press on through. I'm not dreaming in Spanish. I'm dreaming about Spanish. If I was dreaming in Spanish, I'd be excited. That means I'm making progress, but instead, I'm dreaming about worksheets and, and stuff that I've seen on the screen, and and ask my wife, it drives her crazy because I'm just tossing and turning all night because my brain won't shut up. So, but as I'm trying to learn this, it's because I don't want it, the, the tongue to be a foreign to me. I want to understand what's going on. I don't want to keep sitting in these meetings twiddling my thumbs. So I definitely know what Paul's talking about here, about the words being foreign to the speaker. And the good news is, though, is I'm starting to recognize some words. You know, I was, I was listening to, to Hugo and Hector speak this morning, and I'm like, what were you talking about? Because I picked up these words, and, uh, but not the rest. And turns out, if you only know some of the words, then all of them you still don't understand. So, but, you know, the, knowing a few words doesn't do me any good every now and then with no context. But I am able now to read super simple stories, you know, like not quite as simple as like C-Spot Run, but pretty close. But so I'm, I'm, I'm reading these stories the other night, and it's about this, uh, these kids that they're playing dress up with their grandma and grandpa's clothes, and they, they dressed up the dog too because they're, they're playing house basically. They're, 
One's being dad, one's being mom. The dog is the uh, is one of the kids, so they got him all dressed up as well. And the the car, the bed is the car. And I'm it's I'm I'm sitting there reading. Michelle comes up behind me, and and I'm I'm excited because I can actually understand. I mean, I'm going slow. I got to translate it in my head, but I can understand what's being said. I can make it out. And I'm like, listen, listen, listen. I'm trying to tell the story, and she keeps trying to walk off. She wasn't excited as I was. <laughs> And I I bet it's because, you know, I'm really slow trying to tell her what's going on. I'm trying to explain it basically what's going on. And she keeps trying, I'm like, what are you doing? Get back here. This is, this is amazing. This is groundbreaking work that's happening right here. This is, come listen to me tell you about the dog wearing a, a grandma's pink hat. And I'm getting there and it's making it better. But see, the thing is for her, she's hearing me talk and, and, I'm not great, so it's, it's just ideas that are coming across. I'm not really translating how the story sounds per se. And she reads the words on the screen, and they're just foreign to her. And that's what happens when we speak in tongues to the church. But if you guys could make her feel bad for not being excited for me, I'd appreciate that. Talk to her about, talk to her about that. She needs to support her husband when he's reading kindergarten-level stories in Spanish. Because I'm moving up. Listen, you got couple weeks, I'll be reading first grade, and I'll be doing good. He says, we're just speaking to the air. The words are like foreigner to us. But he says, you know what? I want you to excel to build up the church. And when we prophesy, when we work in the other gifts of the Spirit, we are building up the church. Now, I want to know, when he's talking about speaking to the air, the words being foreign, he's, he's not talking about that prayer time, that devotional time. Paul is specifically dealing with the congregation coming together as a church and speaking in tongues and everybody addressing everybody. In your own prayer time, speak in tongues as much as you want. It doesn't require an interpreter. When you're worshiping, when you're praying, none of those times will it require a worshiper. When you are in the church, we need to strive to excel to build up the church. And I want you to know that the striving to excel, to build up the church, it doesn't just mean the gifts of the Spirit. It should be in everything that we do. We are striving to excel, to build up the church. Amen? Because the church has an important purpose. We have an important reason for being here. We are trying to reach a community and tell them about Jesus Christ. And if we're not building up this body, then it's going to be impossible to do so. Amen? And then he says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret, interpret, interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So as Paul begins to lay out the instructions for for addressing the church in tongues, is what he's been doing, now he's referring to this is public speaking of tongues. I want to be clear with that. This is addressing the church in tongues. Prayer and worship um, with tongues do not need to be interpreted. Um, but if you're addressing the church, he says, therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue, he should pray that he may interpret. Because up to this point, Paul has said, if you speak in tongues and address the church, it's only a benefit to you, not a benefit to anybody else. But if we have an interpreter, then it is a benefit to everybody else in the church. And truthfully, if somebody were to get up and begin addressing the church in tongues, we should all be praying for the gift of interpretation because somebody needs to interpret it or it's just worthless. 
But if the gift, if the, the speaker or somebody else has that gift of interpretation, whatever is spoken, uh, speaking in tongues is, is by the Spirit giving you utterance. It's inspired by God. When God addresses the church in tongues, it's something that we need to hear. God has a message for us. And it's important that if the church wants to be edified by that message, that somebody would interpret it. But then he begins speaking of praying in tongues. He says, he says for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? He says, if I pray in a tongue and my, my mind is unfruitful, what am I supposed to do? What are, what are you, he's basically saying, he's trying to answer those questions that they might have. Wait a minute, Paul, are you saying never pray in tongues? He says, no, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So what are we to do, church, if we're not supposed to address the church in tongues? If we're not supposed to be doing that and and we have, we have that gift of speaking in tongues, what are we supposed to do? He says, do both. And you're pray in the Spirit, which just means pray in tongues, and, and, and pray with your mind. You know, when we get together for prayer in the morning, sometimes we'll, we'll pray quietly to ourselves in tongues, but when we pray for the rest of the people to agree with us, we do it in a word, in a language that everybody can understand so that we can agree with them. Amen? And then he says, sing praises with the Spirit. That's why sometimes up there, when we have those times of, 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 of free worship, that time that we can just worship and sing to God in our own words, you'll hear me back. I'll back away from the mic just a little bit, and I'll, I'll begin to sing in tongues because I'm, I'm addressing God. I'm not addressing you guys. That's not there for you to sing along with me. But I'll also sing with my mind. The next thing you know, we're going to sing the words that are on the screen. So that way you guys can come along and sing with us, and we can worship a God who's worth worshiping. Amen? And then he goes on in verse 16, Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? Or you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Here's the deal. Lay it out, the bottom line. Those with the gift of speaking in tongues, they can continue to do so in their devotional time, in their prayer time, in their worship time. But in a corporate setting, when the congregation is included in the con- and, and being addressed, it needs to be in an intelligible language. And if it's not, it needs to be interpreted. And the reason being, like Paul said, is if, if you're doing it, you may be doing it well enough. He says, you may, or you may be giving thanks well enough. You may be singing well enough. You may be honoring God well enough. But how can anybody join you? How can anybody come alongside you and, and, and honor God with you? if they can't understand you. Remember as a church that our goal is to, to strive for unity and to strive for love for one another. That is our goal. That is what we want to do. And when we are just building up ourselves, then, then how is that being accomplished? The purpose of the church, the purpose of corporate worship and prayer and teaching is for the edifying and building up of the body. That is the purpose of when we get together as a church. Therefore, the corporate use of spiritual gifts should do the same. Amen? And then we'll go ahead and end here in verse 18. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. This is an interesting thing here. Paul says, don't address the church in tongues. And actually, we're going to find out uh, next week, he says, and even if you are going to address the church in tongues with an interpreter, no more than three. Because if we get too many people coming, people are still going to think you're crazy. Because the truth is, as a church, our goal is to reach 
uh, people that are, that are in this world that aren't saved. Now, if you are saved, I would encourage you to study his word. These words that I'm saying, read them on your own. Make a decision on your own. I believe the scripture says that we are to desire speaking in tongues. We are to operate in, in, op- in the gifts of the Spirit. But to people on the outside who are not saved, who are not believers, if they don't believe this, they're not going to have any frame of reference. So we can tell them all day long it's scriptural, but they don't care. So even still, we don't want to make them think that we're crazy. We want to, to Christianity should be uh, welcoming, not off-putting. Amen? So if that's what Paul thinks, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but he doesn't address the church very often in tongues. When is he doing it? In his, his private time, his devotional time. Obviously, he speaks tongues a lot. But he's not addressing the church that way. So he is speaking in tongues in his private prayer time, his devotional time. But he says, nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. It kind of tells you what the value is there. Five words in a spoken, intelligible language is going to benefit somebody more than them hearing 10,000 words of what's essentially gibberish to them. I says, I'm going to continue to do both, but I'll address the, word, the church in ways that I can build them up, and in my own time, I'll address God in ways that builds me up. And church, I would encourage you guys to do the same. If you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit and you want to, to, to speak and and pray in tongues. Joseph, I'm going to have Joseph come up after the service. He would love to pray with you um, after it quiets down a little bit, after I've said bye to everybody, had a chance to greet everybody on the way out. I would love to pray with you as well. And uh, uh, the, the scripture says that if we ask for it, God is faithful to give us that gift. And I would love to pray with you because I would encourage you to do so. When you do so, you're praying for stuff that, that you didn't even know you needed because the Spirit is giving you utterance. And it's going to have an impact in your life. So I would encourage you to do so. But for those of us who already operate in the gifts of the Spirit, when we're in a corporate setting, it's to be done in order. It's to be done in a, in a way that doesn't cause chaos, that doesn't cause people to be pushed away. And it's to be done in a way to build up the church. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads.